Welcome, you're listening to a broadcast from Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partners for smart and powerful giving. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Kurt Nola, Director of Member Relations here at Barnabas Foundation, and joining me today is Steve Baker, one of our Directors of Planning here at the Foundation. And today's topic is all about uh, real estate gifts, or as we called it, from hassle to opportunity, giving real estate to ministry. A few housekeeping notes before we get started. Uh, today's broadcast will be recorded and it will be posted next week at barnabasfoundation.com slash interactive. And so if you happen to have family members or friends that you would like to share this with, or if any of our member reps are on, actually on the call today, you have individuals you'd like to share this uh, recording with, uh, you'll be able to do so. You can find that again next week at barnabasfoundation.com slash interactive. In addition, if you have questions throughout today's broadcast, feel free to type those questions into the Q&A section at the bottom of your Zoom screen, and those questions will come up here on our screen uh, here, and Steve and I will address those questions as we're able to. Um, again, Steve, hey, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk about this particular giving opportunity and inform donors and individuals about uh, how there is opportunity in real estate gifts. And to start off today, let's just talk about, you know, what are some of those issues or hassles of owning real estate and why does it make sense for some donors to actually make a gift to that real estate? Yeah, thanks, Kurt. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, the Basically, the idea of the hassles of real estate, um, really not really hassles, but they're just incidents of ownership. Uh, you have to keep it up to date. You have to do repairs. Uh, you have to do maintenance. You have There are some expenses that go along with uh, continuing to own real estate, especially if it's non-rental uh, real estate, say a second home. So uh, there are those issues. And then as as folks um, age, you know, it just gets harder and harder to kind of be involved with those things. So those are kind of the things that lead people then to sort of think about an exit strategy and say, how do I how do I get out of this real estate and and avoid some of these hassles, if you will? And so gifting is a great opportunity to sort of turn that into uh, something that will benefit the ministries that people want to support and potentially even provide an income stream. So, And so what type of real estate have we seen donors give to us over the years? We have seen donors give a variety of uh, real estate interests. Um, again, second homes, vacation properties. Uh, we've seen a lot of rental properties, whether it be duplexes or even commercial industrial buildings. Uh, vacant land, uh, farmland, that's, um, yeah, yeah, just all different types of uh, real estate that people can give. Um, I know, too, occasionally we get people that call us up when they may have a distressed property that's um, perhaps has an underground storage tank or environmental issue associated with the property. That doesn't necessarily preclude it from a gift, correct? And it's it's still possible there just be some additional work that goes along with it, right? That is correct. Uh, it doesn't preclude a gift, but it does make it uh, challenging. And that's why we do a lot of due diligence in trying to figure out what the property has been used for and and are there some of those special issues that we really have to uh, be aware of and address. So one question that comes up often is, is, do you have to give the whole property or can I give you an interest in the property? How does that particular aspect work? Yeah, thanks. That's a great question because it really isn't an all or nothing kind of a proposition. Uh, it can be an entire piece of a property or or the, the structure and the property itself, um, but it could also be an undivided interest in the property as well. So an undivided 30%, 40%, something along those lines. 
Uh, it doesn't mean you're separating the interests in the property. So surface rights versus mineral rights, you can't really divide those up, but you can divide up 100% of your ownership into other pieces to, to gift as well. So, But you're not actually subdividing the property, you're just dividing up the interest in the property. That That's correct. You're, gotcha. you're giving 100% uh, of the piece that you're giving. If it's a 30% interest, you're giving 100% of that 30% interest. So Understood. a little technical piece to it, but. Yeah, well, it's important classification point though, because we do get that question often. Do I have to give you my whole home or can I just give you an interest in it or, or, or the farmland and so forth? So exactly. um, common issue for folks, and we do this frequently, is uh, they have a piece of property that's providing an income stream, right? The rental property, the farmland, whatever it might be, and they still need that income stream. Um, you know, but they're concerned about selling the property because the, perhaps there's a high embedded capital gains tax kind of hidden in there because the property is highly appreciated and they've depreciated over the years as well. So these are more appreciation relative to cost. Um, but they don't want the hassle of ownership, as you alluded to earlier. How can a donor make a gift, retain an income stream, get rid of the hassle, avoid the tax? You know, is there a vehicle and a means by which to do that? Yeah, there is. And you you really hit on a point, though, that I wanted to, to talk about real quickly is, you know, it has to be a piece of or a, a, a piece of real estate, let's just say, that has been owned for greater than a year, because of the, then it's a capital asset mm. that you're holding for investment purposes. Um, and you can depreciate it. So not only is there appreciation in the value, but for tax purposes, you depreciated. And so uh, ultimately, the capital gain is is pretty can be pretty significant, uh, and so that's that's sort of an issue to be concerned about when it comes to selling the property. Then is um, you know there's there's a fair amount of capital gain tax that goes along with that. So the instrument that we talk about for gifting real estate is called a charitable remainder trust, and we put together a few slides to kind of help people sort of see it. Um, so here's the piece that just kind of the beginning of it. So the property is owned by the donor, but the ownership interest is then transferred by a warranty deed. So, you know, in stock gifts, you do a simple sort of wire transfer. You have to sign a, a paper with your broker to transfer stock, but real estate all gets transferred via deeds. And so the ownership is transferred by a warranty deed signed by the donor that transfers it to the Charitable Remainder Trust. Uh, Barnabas Foundation acts as trustee of these types of trust. Then we go ahead and list the property for sale. We take care of all the sale uh, steps. Uh, we then end up uh, executing a new deed that transfers the property from the Charitable Trust to a new owner. And then the sales proceeds come back to the charitable remainder trust and are reinvested uh, to then provide income to the donor. So that's kind of the structure of how it works. Uh, the charitable remainder trust, trust kind of has this piece where it provides income to the donor. So the next slide uh, should show you that um, you have this charitable remainder trust that now is owning the, the assets so it's reinvested the proceeds. It is providing income to the donor. And then upon the donor's passing, the charitable remainder trust terminates and all of the remaining trust assets are then distributed to the charities that they wish to benefit. 
So that's kind of how that structure sort of flows through. Mm -hmm. um, go ahead, Kurt, got a question. No, I did, I did notice that somebody did raise their hand. Um, so David, if you do have a question, feel free to put it in the Q&A because we don't have any way to allow you to, the, this meeting structure doesn't allow you to ask a live question on video, but if you can type your question into the Q&A portion, the bottom of your screen, um, it'll come up here on our screens and we'll address that question for you. Um, but Steve, I just noted on those two slides that you shared, um, going back to that partial interest, we can still do that exact same transaction with a partial interest in a piece of real estate, not just an entire, not 100% of the real estate, correct? That, that is correct. That is correct. If, if it were a partial interest, you'd sort of have two diagrams going because the donor would have retained their, let's just say, 70%. The charitable trust would own 30%. So then at the closing, both the charitable remainder trust trustee and the donor who retains the 70% interest would then be signing deeds that transfer uh, their respective interest to the new owner. Uh, so 70% of the proceeds would go to the donor and then 30% would go into the charitable remainder trust. So Excellent. So Steve, what are some of the benefits of doing this? Well, I think the benefits, uh, first of all, uh, it's a charitable gift. This is, this is not an investment sort of a decision. This is a charitable gift because everything that you've given, if it's 100% of the property or if it's an undivided 30% interest in the property, it's an irrevocable gift. You can't get it back. Uh, there is a charitable income tax deduction that people receive for doing this type of a gift with real estate or with any other asset too. too. But the piece about the charitable income tax deduction now is if you transferred a piece of property worth $200,000 into a charitable remainder trust, because there's this income stream coming back to the donor, you do not receive $200,000 of a charitable income tax deduction. It is less. And the IRS has formulas. We calculate that out but it's less than the full fair market value of the property that's transferred into the charitable remainder trust. You do avoid the capital gains tax, which, it, which means that at sale, 100% of the proceeds from the sale are then reinvested inside of that charitable remainder trust to provide income to the donor. If they had just kept it themselves, sold it, paid the capital gain tax, they're now reinvesting 80%, maybe a little less. So, you know, it, it really is a, a tax efficient way to do it. But there's no more of those hassles of ownership, if you will. Once you transfer that property to the charity, the charity then takes over uh, all of those in incidences of ownership, listing, sale, et cetera. And so if somebody was interested in, in uh talking to one of our planners about something like this, or how does this happen? What's the, some of the next steps that we go through? Yeah, so the next steps, I think first and foremost, is please call us before you sign any purchase agreements. Um, what that means is if you have signed a purchase agreement, the IRS sort of views that as a legally binding obligation and you can't gift anything anymore. So it's always helpful to just have a conversation before any of that happens so that donors can make a decision, should I move forward or not? There is due diligence that needs to be done by the charity, by Barnabas in this case, 
And we do walk through a number of steps with the donor to just to make sure we understand what the property is, potential issues that we might have to deal with. Um, and, and then basically we have to accept the gift. Uh, the donor's attorney then prepares the warranty deed that transfers the property to us and their attorney does record the deed, which then makes it a binding deed or binding gift at that point. And then again, the charity ends up handling all the sales related actions after that. So uh, first and foremost, call us if you have a, a question about should I do this? Can I do this? Mm -hmm. How does it work? We're happy to, to just walk through these things just to make sure it fits. Excellent. So that's a model of a gift of a real estate into a CRT that provides an income stream. Let's say the donor doesn't really need the income anymore. <laughs> and they want to give the real estate to their favorite charity. But oftentimes what we have found in working with organizations is sometimes real estate gifts for, actually create kind of a bit of a burden for charities and that this is not something they do in the normal course of their business. It requires someone's time and attention now to focus on the due diligence of the real estate, accepting it, make sure it's receded properly, working with the donor to get all the appraisals in order that they'll need for their tax return. And then of course, listing and selling the property and, and the work that goes in there. Is there another way that donors can do this instead of making a gift of real estate direct to their favorite charity? Is there a better vehicle for them to consider? I think there is a great vehicle to, to use for gifts of real estate. And, and especially when, when donors have multiple interests in ministries that they want to support. Uh, we have a donor advised fund, we call it our stewards fund. And you can actually do a gift of real estate into our donor advised fund, uh, which is called our stewards fund. So again, in this case, um, same basic diagram as here, the ownership, again, is transferred via a warranty deed signed by the donor that transfers it to the, the charity that sponsors the donor advised fund. So in this case, Barnabas Foundation. Same steps. We end up listing it for sale. We end up doing all of the closing steps, you know, and then eventually sale proceeds uh, are distributed from at the closing to our donor advised fund. And... Again, we have to then execute a deed upon closing that transfers the property from us to the new owner. Okay. Excellent. And so it's similarly, as you noted, then the donor advice fund, then they can make those grants out to their favorite charities. Oh, absolutely. So I think the next slide ends up giving a little bit of a view of how that works too. So in the donor advised fund concept, uh, I like to sort of view it as a charitable checking account, if you will, but the donor has the ability to send us a grant request saying, I would like you to send X number of dollars to X ministry. And then as the donor advised uh, sponsor, we end up sending a check directly to that charitable organization. Uh, this works great for multiple gifts out to multiple ministries. It works great if the gift of real estate that funded the account might be a little higher in value. Mm -hmm. And that's more than, than what a donor, a donor would like to send to one organization all at one time. Uh, the donor advised fund can send grants out in any particular year um, other than the year of gift. So successive years after the gift. And, um, you know, it just allows the use of, of an asset that's appreciated in value uh, to then fund multiple ministries over multiple years. 
The, the one difference in the donor advised fund kind of world here there is, remember when I talked about the funding of a charitable remainder trust, if the property is at $200,000, the charitable deduction is less than that. In a donor advised fund, if the property is worth $200,000, then the charitable income tax deduction is $200,000 because there's no income stream coming back. And those values have to be determined by a, an appraisal. Uh, it's not what the property sold for. It's whatever the property appraises for. That is what the charitable income tax deduction is. Or in the charitable remainder trust, that's what the calculation is based off is the, the appraised value. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And I will note too, for some donors who would want to just support one specific charity, perhaps one of our members, we do have the ability to do that as well through our structure here without you requiring to open a DAF. The DAF is fantastic when you want to set up and, and make gifts of real estate that'll benefit multiple charities. But if it's going to a single charity, we have a single charity fund that we can use to end up uh, supporting that particular charity as well. Um, so we've talked a little bit about retaining the income stream through a trust. We've talked about the outright gift into a DAF. Does anybody ever use both in, in the same transaction? I'm just going to say yes to all your questions, huh? Uh, <laughs> I, I do think that uh, this really gives donors a lot of flexibility that they can do multiple things with it. So we have had a number of real estate gifts where maybe it's a 20% into a donor advised fund and 30% to a charitable remainder trust. So in essence, the donor gave 50% away, retained 50%. The, the reasons to sort of do that are, are trying to work through how much income does somebody want? How much outright giving do they want to do over the next period of time? Um, how much charitable income tax deduction they can use in a particular year? Um, and, and so we work with uh, their counsel and tax advisors to sort of help figure out what that might look like and what's the best percentage breakdown. But it is definitely possible to do and we've done a number of those uh, throughout the years. Thanks, Steve. Um, as donors contemplate thinking about making gifts to real estate, what are some of the you know special circumstances that we should be keeping in mind or people should keep in mind that may create complications with making a gift? Yeah, there's a few uh, that I just want to highlight here. There's There are others as well, but um, debts. If, if the property is still mortgaged, that can cause some issues. If there are any liens on the property, um, if it is uh, a property that has special um, uses from before, so properties evolve over time. Uh, we've had vacant properties that are farmland, but years and years ago, they might have been used as a, as a township sort of dump area. Um, there's, there's just lots of different issues that kind of come up. Uh, multiple owners, uh, not everybody owns property in their own name or uh, between spouses, then it's not much of an issue. But if it's, you know, four people that each own 25% of a, of a commercial building, you know, that causes some, some concerns and some ideas that we have to work through. Uh, entity giving. So not everybody owns these types of properties in their own names. It might be in an LLC. So we have to kind of work through how that, how does that work giving it from the LLC? Uh, are there some agreements that are um, 
other owners have the right to buy it first and you work through some of those things. But uh, those are kind of the main ones I think we talked through. Mm -hmm. Yep, excellent. And um, just a side note, we've had, and if, if this is on your mind as an individual donor, where you have a piece of property that's generating a nice cash flow and you're thinking, I'd love to give it because I don't need the cash flow, but I don't want you to sell it necessarily right away. That is a conversation we can have with you as well. Um, and through the due diligence process, we would determine if it's an asset that would make sense for us to hold and then drive those dollars, those rental income dollars into your donor advice fund to give away. So if that's on your mind, feel free to give us a call. Um, so Steve, as I kind of think through what you've talked about today and, and summarizing things, um, you know, some of the key fixtures that I hear from coming from a real estate gift is that there's, there's fair market value deduction, which can be huge, whether you get a full deduction or partial because of the care remainder interest or the income interest that's, you know, that's, but you're still getting a fair market value deduction. And the other big win is avoidance of the capital gains that's embedded on that property. So if you bought that property years ago for $50,000 and it's worth $250,000 a day and you sold it outright, you're paying 20% on the $200,000 gain, whereas making a gift of it may, or at least a partial interest in that uh, interest may help wipe out uh, a significant portion of that tax or wipe out the gain entirely. Um, the hassle factor we talked about, I always think, you know, we talk about hassle factor. I think of uh, a couple that we worked with here that were in their 80s living in assisted living and they had to rent, they still had a rental property. And, you know, he was still managing this property and dealing with repairs while he's in living in assisted living. Mm -hmm. And, but he was afraid to sell it because of the, the tax issue and he needed the income. And we were able to show him how that CRT worked. And um, the elimination hassle factor for him was enormous considering that him and his wife were in assisted living. And they maintain their income and avoid the tax, so that was huge. Uh, that I mean, it's not not so much. I mean, it's the hassle of doing all the work, but I think sometimes it's it's the psychological impact and the stress of owning it. Mm -hmm. uh, and how do I how do I handle this uh, at a at a later age, uh, especially with re-renting? I mean, if it's a if it's a rental property that is residential living, so it's an apartment building that has four or five different apartments in it. And, you know, not, not everyone stays in those apartments all the time. They, they become vacant. You have to re-rent them. You have, so they could do that while they were um, younger and, and all those kinds of things, but it, it can become harder. Uh, but even the, the emotional psychological thing, whether you're younger or older, at some point, people just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and so I always talk about the exit strategy. If you want to stay in rental properties, then this probably isn't the, the, the ability to make a gift with that. There are other ways to, to do that. But if, if it's kind of like I'm, I'm finished with this and it's time to move on to something else, then exiting out of real estate is either sale and, and pay the tax or some gifting options. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you still have that ability to retain that income stream the real estate was giving you if, if that's needed. And the opportunity to support multiple charities through the use of something like a DAF is huge. And then as we noted too, the flexibility of doing all of those things, whether it be an outright gift, keeping a portion of it or retaining a portion of an income stream through a, a CRT um, is just highly flexible to meet the needs of a particular individual at that point in time. And also that could change over time too. So we didn't even touch on the fact you can make a gift into a CRT now, five years from now, you don't need the income anymore. You can always release that and accelerate your gift to charity. So 
so many other flexible things uh, that are there and present inside uh, the opportunities to make gifts of real estate. Um, so if folks listening today, if somebody's interested or perhaps one of our members have a donor that's interested in learning more, what would they do next, Steve? Well, I think if it's a, an organization that has received an inquiry from a donor that wants to do this, uh, reach out to us right away. We're happy to talk through that with the member organization first. Uh, and if the donor would like to then talk through that, we're happy to, to get together with them. We do get a lot of direct calls. So if, if there is a donor who's on this call and would like to just talk about it directly, uh, I believe at the end of this, our numbers will be given and you can reach out to us. We have uh, five others besides myself that do this planning and are kind of happy to help all around the country. Uh, and, and I think it's just a first step. It's, it's let's just have a conversation. How does it work? What are the questions that need to be asked? and then decide, is it time to kind of do it? Uh, then we can proceed from there. Absolutely. And our number, you'll see it on the closing slide when we pop it up, but our phone number, if anybody wants to write it down, is 888-448-3040. Again, 888-448-3040. When you call, just ask for the planning department um, and they'll connect you with uh, a member of the planning team and they can start the conversation with you there. And uh, I'll just say that for 47 years now, we've been, we just had our anniversary last month. Um, this is what we've been doing with donors, thousands of transactions across the country um, with donors of all different walks, um, all different levels of complexity. And so if you're interested or thinking about this, or this is something that's on your time horizon in the near future, and you just like some advice on what you should think about doing, um, we're here to help. And that's what uh, that's why our organization was created is to provide this expertise to individuals like you that are supporting wonderful ministries and that we help people, um, as we say in our elevator speech, help people transfer their wealth in ways that honor God, provide for their families and provide for their favorite charities. And so with that, I'll just note again that the, today's session has been recorded. Um, you'll be able to see a recording of it on our BarnabasFoundation.org slash interactive website um, next week. And you'll be able to share that with, um, um, with anybody that you'd like to share that with. Um, and again, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. All of those in attendance, thank you for joining us. Um, if you do have any questions at all whatsoever, feel free to reach out to us. Again, that number 888-448-3040 or simply planning at barnabasfoundation.org. I wish all of you a blessed day. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. To learn how you can give to your church and other favorite ministries in smart and powerful ways, visit www.barnabasfoundation.org.